Hi, just wanted to do a quick update regarding TPS, Temporary Protected Status. When we originally recorded the TPS episode, we had not heard about the decision regarding Nicaragua and Honduras. So this is just a quick update for folks who would be caught up on what the Department of Homeland Security has decided regarding those countries and their TPS status. So for Nicaragua, TPS has it will will end officially Jan January 2019. So TPS for Nicaragua was originally set to end January 2018, but the Department of Homeland Security has decided to give folks an additional year to see what time or to see if they can adjust their status in that year, if see if they're eligible for any kind of aid. And then for Honduras, the Department of Homeland Security has decided that they need additional information, whether or not they will renew TPS for that country. And so by not making a decision on November 6, they automatically extended the TPS for, that for Honduras for another six months. So since TPS for Honduras was set to end January 2018, it will now be ending July July 2018, depending on the, situ the decision made in May. So six months from November 6, so by May 6, we will have a decision regarding CPS and Honduras. So that was just a quick update. We had not heard those decisions again by the time we had filmed the TPS episode, and just wanted to give folks a quick update on that. Yes, and I wanted to do a shout-out to Ilya Calderon, because today, um, on November 9th, she was announced that in mid-December, she is going to be the co-anchor position on uh, Univision. She's going to be the first Afro-Latina to anchor an evening news show for Univision and is basically a pioneer for Afro-Latina women. She was the first black woman in Colombia to host Noticiero CMI, and she's going to be um, succeeding Maria Elena Salinas, who has also been an OG for 30 years um, on Univision, who is transferring over Telemundo, which is also another Latinx news network and just everything network for Latinx people. So, yeah, I, we want to shout her out for breaking all these barriers, for being such a pioneer, for doing all this great work. She was she interviewed the KKK and she was just like, I'm Afro Latina, like I am black and I am an immigrant. So what you gonna do to me? And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm beautiful, and you are gross. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So fuck the KKK. But yeah, shout fuck out to her. <laughs> shout out to Ilya Calderon for being amazing and being an amazingly hardworking woman and a role so, yeah. model, honestly. Yeah, and a real ass fucking role model. So yeah, play the music. Hey. <laughs>
Caso no vuelo de en la lena Viviendo te romo, tenemos te plomo Yo soy una estrella, tú eres paloma El rey de la zona, la día amazona Verde y mi ropa, verde mi aroma Hi, I'm Sandra. And I'm Sam. And welcome to Puchica Voz. Puchica Voz. Sam, so uh, every week we're going to start putting in songs. Uh, we're going to switch me and Sam. And it's basically a song that I'm going to show Sam or Sam's going to show me and the listeners. Just kind of what we're listening to, what we're vibing with. And I showed Sam Cuanto by Achal. And what do you think of it, Sam? Uh, I thought it was pretty lit. It gave me very much like, you know, you're getting ready for a night out and you're just getting ready to get lit, have fun, you know, be wild with it. And I don't know, it gave me a lot of like Drake slash Tory Lanez vibes. But I thought it was really great because mm -hmm. it's like English and Spanish. You know, I didn't expect the Spanish to come in. And then when the Spanish came in, I didn't expect the English to come in later. I was like, okay, it's just going to be in Spanish. And then now it's like, no, he can do both. And he can do both really well. Yes, yes. Okay. So I heard Hachal just like, I don't even remember, on some random playlist that I was listening to on Spotify. I think it was like one of my daily mixes or whatever. And I was like, I was like, all right, cool. Vibe into this at work. And then I was like, wait, did he say cuánto? <laughs> Did he say something in Spanish? So then I was like, is this someone that I'm that I just don't know? And I was like, who's Achal? So I started listening to him and it it was cool. I kind of got into him. I really liked all of his songs. It's very hip, his music R and B, but it also kind of has like he has elements of like cumbia and like reggaeton, but it's still very like current R and B. And he is Peruvian-American. He was born in Peru, and he grew up in Queens, I believe. And his parents are from northern Peru, and they're indigenous. And he has, uh, he's pretty in touch with his indigenous roots. And I, uh, I listen to Selection, and I really like Joe Kay and just, like, all of Selection. And he interviewed Achal, and I stumbled upon it when I was, like, listening to more of his songs and his videos. And the interview that he had with him was so fun, and it really gave a good insight of how he feels himself as an artist. He's still pretty young, and he talked a lot with Joe Kay, and it was a really good interview. I highly recommend like just uh, looking it up on YouTube, Selection and Achal, and they vibed really well, and they were just talking. He's like, because Joe Kay is uh, Latino, and he's just like, I wanted to bring you on, and I really vibe with you, and they, they talked about mushrooms and hallucinogenics and Achal also talked a lot about his like experiences and spirituality with his family and um, Peruvian music that he grew up with that was like indigenous shamanistic music and and he also said that he had done like ayahuasca with his parents because that's like <laughs> actually within their tradition and yeah. you know their culture and like literally in the jungle 
So it was just a really great interview. And I was like, you're not some basic R&B dude. Like you have, you say a lot of things that I vibe with and things that I, I really like. And I don't know. I like them. So that's why I wanted to show you. And it's a lit song and I'm like, get hyped all the time. <laughs> Quanto? <laughs> Quanto? Vámonos. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Tanto? Vámonos. Tanto. <laughs> yeah. No, all of his songs are really good. Um, Matrix, really like Matrix. Love and Hennessy is like his most popular one. It's good. Okay. I really, okay. All right. And um, we're also going to try this other thing. We're going to do shits and giggles. So um, this is something that I, like, I picked up in college. I used to be part of some like residence group where we put on little events for residents on campus. And our exec board, the way we'd like check in with each other and see how we were doing is this thing called shits and giggles. So essentially it's just one quick good thing going on in your week and one bad thing. And it's just meant, you know, to like let folks know how you're doing. And, you know, you don't have to share if you don't necessarily want to, but it's just a way of checking in. And I thought it was really cool and I did it with my friends all the time. It's funny because we'd be like drunk out in the street and it'd be like, you know, we're smoking a blunt or whatever. And we're like, all right, everyone shits and giggles. And it's like a moment where we all like center ourselves and we're just like sharing with each other how we're feeling at the moment, things that are going on in our lives. And, you know, we're like, you know, verge of blacking out or whatever but it's like you know we can still check in with each other <laughs> Messy so, sense. yeah that's totally me so yeah I, I thought we would do that so um i don't know if you want to share first or if i want to share first how you want to do mm, that well i guess my giggle is i dyed my hair two days ago to mm. this pretty extra orangey redhead kind of color and I really dig it and I recently cut my hair I usually keep my hair short but I had kind of grown it out just a little bit and now I cut it to the length that I really like that's like my plus and it's also Halloween tonight spooky (laughs) and that's another giggle and I guess my shit I don't even know I guess just it's Monday dude Mm, it's Tuesday oh shit I see I don't even know (laughs) that's funny i'm done see i'm already done with this week go (laughs) all right um my giggle i'm really hyped for the central american film fest coming up in la this weekend i think it'll be an awesome opportunity to see you know like stories being told that aren't really shared and yeah i'm just hyped for that and then sandra's coming down to la too so that's gonna be lit hopefully yeah and then uh shit um I don't know, I feel like I'm getting into the monotony of, like, work and home, work and home. So it's awesome when I have opportunities like this to, like, you know, just talk about something else that isn't necessarily work or home, where I can talk about just about anything with y'all. I don't know, I think that's good, even though it's, like, a shit of the monotony. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, so what is going to be our topic this week, Samuel? So this week we're going to be talking about TPS or temporary protected status, something that um, affects quite a lot of people. And so um, the reason we're talking about this is because we realized that there wasn't really any spotlight on it, given the recent fight around defending DACA. We figured that, you know, TPS is something that might be taken away at some point soon. So we should try to talk about it or at least bring some like exposure to it if folks don't know about it. So I worked within the immigration field so I just want to give y'all a quick insight on TPS real quick that's cool with y'all so um, 
TPS started as a temporary relief, as the name suggests, for countries that were affected by like natural disasters, so earthquakes or hurricanes or viruses like Ebola and war. So it's just like things that were affecting the country and made um, situations like that where folks couldn't live in those countries anymore and they chose to flee to the United States because things weren't safe at home anymore. And so um, TPS, you know, it, it's for different countries. So right now the countries that are covered under it are El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, Nepal, Nicaragua, Somalia, Sudan, South Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. And there were other countries included before, but the thing that makes TPS interesting is just that the U.S. can decide to end it at any moment that they wish to. They could just decide, okay, well, we're not going to renew TPS for X or Y country this time, just because conditions in X or Y country are better now, or conditions in, well, some of the arguments are conditions in that country will always be that way, regardless of TPS, so it doesn't matter if TPS is there or not, which is pretty fucked up, in my opinion. And so, um, TPS tends to be renewed until, like I said, the government decides to end it or not. So, and that's the case with Sudan. It's going to end it November 2018. But alternatively, it could also be extended for many years. So, one case of that is El Salvador being granted TPS since 2001 and being in place for, you know, 16 years now in 2017. So it's like the name suggests it's a temporary solution. So it's mostly to allow folks the opportunity to get a work permit and work legally in the United States. But it's not necessarily something that allows them to, you know, leave the country whenever they want or, you know, be able to travel like as freely as they want. They can only travel if they get an advanced parole, as is the case with DACA or, well, the program that used to be DACA. And so it also allows people to travel domestically. So, you know, if like you have family in the U.S., you can travel to see them if you're on TPS. And so before the eyes of immigration officials, TPS is considered the same as DACA just because it's about people who didn't necessarily have a choice about coming to this country. So a lot of the narrative around DACA is that, you know, these are young kids being brought to this country by their parents. And then um, with TPS, it's a similar situation, you know, folks didn't have a say on a natural disaster hitting their country. And so therefore they had to leave, you know, it wasn't an act of choice that they were leaving. And so it, um, it also requires a background check in a similar way to DACA. And folks who have a felony or two or more misdemeanors are not considered eligible. Uh, the other day at my job, we were like telling this person that they weren't eligible for TPS just because they had two DUIs. Two little incidents like that, you know, two nights out where you're drinking or whatever and you're not eligible for this status to like keep you protected in the US. And so um, it challenges the narrative that, you know, everyone's eligible just for being, you know, a national of a certain country. So like everyone thinks, oh, well, you're from, you know, Honduras or El Salvador or Haiti, you know, you're eligible for TPS. And it's like, no, you got to meet these certain requirements to be part of it. And so, but it also, you know, creates this, you know, good immigrant versus bad immigrant thing. For El Salvador, it requires a physical presence in the U.S. since March 9th, 2001. And for El Salvador specifically, it's still in place until March 9th, 2018. So this upcoming January, we're supposed to hear an announcement on whether or not it's going to be renewed. And I don't know, we're waiting to hear on it, but... You know, at the same time, we don't see any talk about it just yet, unless, you know, you're checking in on immigration news.
<laughs> or you're watching yeah. you know, Univision yeah. or local news here in LA. Yeah. It's it's something that mm-hmm. there have been kind of little murmurs about. Uh, because uh, TPS isn't something that only affects Central American people. Uh, the big topic I think right now is El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Haiti, because I think those are the three biggest groups of TPS holders. And General Kelly made a statement basically saying that people need to kind of start thinking that this was a temporary solution and need to think about going home soon. And we're going to start thinking about arrangements for that. So this is someone, you know, General Kelly is like, some foo up in Trump's White House that actually has a pretty big say. You know, it's not just some random ass person. <laughs> so I feel if he is someone someone that's considered the voice of reason and he's saying something like this, I feel like TPS is definitely in a state of danger. But, I mean, TPS is very complicated. Right, Sam? I mean, the, the way that TPS kind of affects... Yeah. Um, people isn't like okay you have a legal work permit I mean DACA I mean that's what it was right essentially a similar kind of situation but you still mm-hmm. couldn't you know get really social security and you know you didn't really have the same benefits you weren't really eligible for traditional financial aid depending on your state all these things are mm-hmm. very limiting and uh, as you've said before Sam to me personally, it's a leash. And it, I mean, and if they want to deport you, they can. Mm-hmm. Like, And you don't even need to be committing a crime or anything. Like, oh, the program ended. And I mean, El Salvador has been on it for like 16 years, which is a long time. That's basically almost 20 years. And that's enough time to have roots, establish a family. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, most of these people are here legally, like honestly, technically. So you're deporting uh, legal mm-hmm. uh, immigrants. So it's it's honestly something that uh, I have kind of been frustrated that hasn't been really talked about because DACA was so big. Like, everyone still has, like, hashtag defend DACA. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so where's, like, hashtag defend TPS, you know? It's a very select group, but, I mean, it's still 300,000 people. DACA was 800,000 people. And like you said, it doesn't necessarily fit with that narrative of, oh, like, we're college students going and doing real things. It's like, okay, I mean, these are people working, establishing businesses, having roots. And I mean, their kids are having these effects as well. So it's, it's a really complicated Mm -hmm. thing. And it's been definitely overlooked. And the countries are also not exclusive to Central America. I mean, they're Asia, the Middle East, Africa, and it's something... Oh, and the Caribbean with Haiti. So um, a lot of these countries aren't really well equipped mm-hmm. to take back thousands of people. El Salvador has huge numbers. They have almost, like, it's like over 100,000 people on TPS. You think El Salvador is, like, going to take 100,000 people overnight, you know? And Haiti had an earthquake that killed 300,000 people and they're still they're still recovering you know just because it's it's been a few years I think what five years it's not that's not enough time to restore anything you know like I'm over here in BART and like they can't fix BART like any type of so you think you're gonna fix an entire country oh so it frustrates me and it gets me really angry and I mean it affects people that we're close to as well personally and I mean is that something I don't know if that's something that 
you want to talk mm-hmm. about Sam, but it's it's definitely something that you see on a daily basis with your job. But I mean, I I also I mean, doing things with immigration, you you see it, and it's very common, and especially in Central American. Yeah, it definitely is. Going back to what you said a bit about the leash, I feel like I want to expand on that a bit. So um, the reason I refer to TPS as a leash is because it's the U.S. government's way of saying, you know, we're going to give you the opportunity to stay here legally, but we're not going to give you residency. We're not going to give you anything more. Like you said, we're not going to give you those social security benefits. We're not going to be able to, like, you know, provide you everything else that an LPR, you know, a legal permanent resident or a citizen has. So it's technically a leash because it's like, you know, you get a bit, you get some mobility, you can move around, you can work legally, but you're not given the full, you know, thing. You're not given the opportunity to do as you wish as an LPR or citizen will. So um, it definitely is something that I see often at my job just because we have folks coming in and, you know, talking about, you know, oh, yeah, I have TPS status, or, well, TPS status is redundant, but I have TPS, you know, I can, like, do this and this, or, like, can I um, petition for so-and-so because I have TPS, and it's, like, frustrating to have to tell them, you know, you can't. But you can adjust if you're in um, under the Ninth Circuit's jur- jurisdiction. So if you live in Hawaii, Cal- California, Alaska, or Arizona, if you have TPS and you have a family member, meaning a brother or a child who's a U.S. citizen, you can ask for them to petition for you. This follows the precedent of the case of Jesus Ramirez, who was able to adjust to the LPR status following from... Um, his marriage to a U.S. citizen. So it set the precedent that those with TPS can adjust if they have someone who's willing to petition for them. Again, this only applies if you live in Hawaii, California, Alaska, or Arizona. But, you know, if you're from any of those countries, you know, Sudan, South Sudan, Haiti, Nicaragua, um, El Salvador, you know, you can totally ask your U.S. citizen family members to petition for you. Granted, it's still a long process. It's still a lot of money that goes into it, but it is possible for some folks. You know, granted, if you live in those in that jurisdiction, which at the same time is another leash if you think about it, just because. Yeah. You know, it's not universal. You know, just because you have TPS doesn't mean you can adjust necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I mean, TPS was also the reason why Central Americans, especially in Salvador, have such a most groups are very small. They're only in, like, the thousands. But El Salvador is in the hundred thousands. And uh, the big reason, I think, that is is because many people were already in the United States because of the Civil War. And they mm-hmm. couldn't receive Reagan amnesty like my father did. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they missed it. It's like, you never know when you're going to immigrate or when you're going to need a bounce. So when they came to the U.S., they where they wouldn't be able to receive amnesty. So I think this was an opportunity for many people who are already here to kind of maybe shift things around and be like, oh, yeah, I came here for this earthquake. And, I mean, you aren't already here legally, but this is something that will give you some sort of protection. And, I mean, you might have TPS and you might be lucky enough to get it, but you might not even have any U.S. citizen family or just any other way you know getting marrying someone or having a kid you know it's not like everyone does that too yeah so it's it's complicated you know you can't just wait 21 years also to have a kid and you know especially what if you don't if you started tps 
when it, in 2001, your kid isn't even 21 yet. They're 16. So, mm-hmm. like, there is no real alternative for people. And they might get deported. And nobody's talking about it except for people in these specific groups. And it was such a big deal. And it's... Ugh, I hate it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating, honestly. Especially when, you know, you think about, like, these are countries that, like you said, they're not well equipped. So it's, you know, it turns into a humanitarian crisis and like, it's not being talked about. It's being overlooked just because folks are, you know, fighting other great fights, which, you know, are valid entirely. But at the same time, it's like, are we really going to send back hundreds of thousands of people back to countries where, you know, they might not necessarily make it, where they might not even have roots anymore. All right. So I'm a data home. I work with data and I really like numbers and kind of, seeing how numbers can support the real emotions, real feelings, real things that we kind of can say like, yeah, these are affected by these things, but it's like, where's the proof? You know, people are always talking about like, where's the proof or the receipts. So um, I like to supply the receipts basically. Um, so the people, the biggest groups that benefit from TPS are El Salvador, Honduras, and Haiti. So El Salvador is nine, 195,000. Haiti is 50,000 and Honduras is 57,000. And then the rest of the countries Guinea, Liberia, Nepal, Nicaragua, Sierra Leone, Somalia, Sudan, uh, South Sudan, and Syria, and Yemen, they are in the thousands. So these are a lot of people for sure. And deporting just the, the biggest three groups, Salvis, uh, Hondureños, and Haitians. Yeah. would cost $3.1 billion. And just ending TPS for these three countries would result in a $6.9 billion reduction to Social Security and Medicare, which, you know, everyone's always bitching about their Medicare and Social Security, so they should be eyeing these numbers. And then ending TPS for these three countries would lead to a $45.2 billion reduction in GDP. So, you know, these are real people doing real things, contributing, and people just don't really seem to understand how immigration really does grow in an economy and really does help people so much financially. And I mean, also, we don't really need to be looking at people as just numbers, but it's also very important to see, like, these people have a real impact and you can't just kick these people out and think that, oh, our country's going to get better. Like, no, like you don't understand anything. And also, to these numbers, though, I want to give a quick shout out to Sam's old professor, Wong, who uh, helped work on all of this data, which Sam also worked on. And also, Sam thinks he's a cutie, so. (laughs) Yeah, he is. So, yeah, this data is coming from the Immigration Legal Resource Center, and it was published this April 2017, actually. So it's very recent data for all of you who are like, when was this data? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you can know that it's really recent. And Professor Wong does awesome work. You know, I'm also a data hub. I used to work with this professor. So this is all stuff that, you know, I've known about. Sandra loves it because it's data heavy. And, you know, we. but at the same time, like you said, we can't think about these people as just numbers. You know, these are people with actual stories, with families, with narratives around them. And so while the data does work to help suggest some things, we can't ignore the fact that these are people living their lives. Yeah. And I don't really know how to kind of engage with all of this. 
because I just, I feel like because a lot of these communities are very small immigrant communities, I mean, considerably small compared to others. I don't know. It just get everyone gets so overlooked. Mm-hmm. Like no one. I honestly didn't really know about TPS until working it and doing stuff uh, with immigration. And because I mean, LA is such a like Mexican centric city. Um, all of the issues were very clearly just about like undocumented mm-hmm. versus not. You know, undocumented or you have papers. And so, you know, you're always thinking about this thing where it's like, I mean, you don't have papers or you do. So I don't know. I, I learned about TPS more when um, someone told me about how it was at a, like a, Sal- a Salvadorian event that I was at and they were talking about TPS. And I was like, what is this? What is this TPS thing? And because my, my, I'm like, what is what? <laughs> what are they I didn't. Talking yeah, about? and I. My father, he <laughs> came in literally right before the deadline of amnesty, so he was able to kind of figure that out, and so are my uh, other mm. family members. So I have family that's either, like I said, fully documented or fully not documented. So they either fall under it or they don't. And mm. but I know that TPS is a really big thing in the Salvadoran community, the Central American community. And I, it just, it goes along a lot of lines too. I mean, it's not just Central Americans, obviously. These are a lot of numbers for other places all over the world. And I don't know. I just don't know how to feel with it because it's it's already such a shitty immigration policy in general, you know? But I don't want people to feel like they need to hide again after yeah. they've kind of been granted some sort of feeling of safety and security i don't know what do you think sam yeah i feel like it just like i said earlier it's just a leash which is a really messed up way and it's just you know that's the approach the government has had towards these migrants they see them as folks who should just be here under temporary status you know they they can't be granted a full status because at the end of the day, they came here for X and Y reason. Once X and Y reason are fixed back in the home country, we should send them back there. But then when we're talking about countries that, you know, have conditions that aren't, you know, inhabitable or just, you know, are detrimental to their own well-being, you know, how are you really going to send these people back to those countries? It just really makes me question a lot of it. And just, you know, working in the immigration space and dealing with people and like, you know, earlier this year when DACA was rescinded, I had to tell people, you know, you're not eligible to reapply. And so to have to go through that again with TPS and be telling people like, hey, you might not be able to reapply or like, I would encourage you to do that as soon as you can or, you know, like look into other ways. And it's just frustrating to tell people like, hey, you got to figure out other ways to like live here, essentially, which is really messed up just because it's like you should be able to live here just for, you know, being a person and for being here. That's it. But, yeah, for being a good person. Yeah. But yeah, and then like when it, we talk about these background checks, you know, these are people who are model citizens for the most part. You know, maybe they have one misdemeanor, but they're still allowed to reapply. You know, like it's not the worst thing. And so, you know, you're really gonna treat them all as you know these like really messed up people who are here like harming our country or whatever. You know, all these nativist arguments around it, and it's like that's not the case with this. Same with DACA, it wasn't the case. 
But, you know, we don't see this fight around keeping this just yet, I think. Maybe it will come up, but we don't see that yet. Yeah, and I think programs like Taka and TPS, mm -hmm. because they're so obscure, I would say, they fuel kind of into um, a right-leaning argument like these programs are motivating people to immigrate immigrate to the country mm -hmm. these like criminals like ms-13 is coming to kill everybody and it's like bruh like first of all ms-13 started in the united states yep. but i mean it you know they're they're you're using these like other people as like props and then using central american gangs to kind of fear people like fear monger about immigration when they don't even know anything about how immigration works. And they're like, well, if they just sat in line and, you know, waited their turn. And it's like, shut up. Like, you literally ask these people, just legalize yourself. And it's like, fool, if I would have done, like, that, like, why am I even talking to you? You know, like, why am I even engaging with you? Like, you think I can, I'm so dumb that I can't try to do that for myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, it's so, like, just, there's so many fucking dumbass people and on Twitter man when you see it on Twitter when, when DACA <laughs> was happening dude these people are so stupid like y'all don't this is how how little all of this honestly affects you mm. like immigration literally doesn't affect you because you know nothing about it so why are you bitching so much like why are you crying all over the place okay. and I'm like you know people need to need people need to educate themselves like they really don't know anything like I know, you know, they need to listen to people like us that, you know, can maybe, <laughs> maybe they can need to read a little bit of Professor Wong's shit, you know, to understand, like, High people key. aren't taking anyone's <laughs> jobs or people are doing real thing. Or maybe they can just, like, read the government website and even understand what laws are. Like, yeah. or they're like, over here talking about how they're being broken. Or if they're like, oh, you know, those are just numbers, you know, those are fake news, whatever it may be, you know, talk to someone who actually has TPS, talk to people who were on DACA, you know, listen to those stories, actually put yourself out there and be willing to listen because these are real people with real lives, you know. And so like, yeah, maybe you might not trust data because, you know, the media sensationalizes everything, you know, according to your art, your point of view or whatever it may be. At the end of the day, if you're listening to these people, you know, are you really going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote this in this way because I want you, you know, person right in front of me out of this country because I think you, person in front of me, are taking this job. Like, no, it doesn't happen that way. So I feel like we just need to know, listen. Man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having very little faith in a lot of people. But yeah. it just it's people are just fucking uneducated. I mean, even people in our own community are uneducated. Mm -hmm. I know plenty of Latinx people that are like, my dad waited 20 years, and, like, if he waited, you can come too. I'm like, shut the fuck up, fool. Like, you get out of here with your dumb shit. Like, yeah. I'm so done with people saying, like, you are so incapable of taking care of yourself that you need to, you, uh, you need me, dumb person on Twitter, to tell you to go get your papers fixed. Mm -hmm. Like, get out of my fucking business, dog. Like, ugh. It just, it makes my skin crawl so much. Sam, yeah. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, hopefully there's a defense EPS movement sometime in our future. Hopefully Central American Twitter can hop on that and be like, hey, you know, this affects, you know, three of Central American countries as, long, as well as, you know, Caribbean countries, countries in the Middle East and Africa as well, so... 
we should be, you know, rallying around them and, like, protecting them because, you know, if we want to play the good immigrant, bad immigrant card, then, you know, these are the good immigrants. You know, if we or these are the migrants that deserve to be here or that should be here or are here already, and therefore we should be trying to protect them. So, you know, hopefully we see that rally in some kind sometime soon just because it hasn't happened, and that's frustrating too just because... You know, I feel like momentum kind of died down after Defend DACA, and I don't know if that's because folks are, like, rallying around something else or, like, recharging to bring back another round of, like, you know, rallies, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it hasn't. And it's kind of sad that even within our own community, we're not all entirely informed. I mean, even myself, like, mm-hmm. I I learned a lot just by kind of hearing you, Sam, talking about TPS. And I mean, I did have some knowledge about it, but understanding way more hearing you speak even right now mm-hmm. and just reading what our notes that we like made a- around all of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm lucky because I work in immigration, so I'm refreshing the USCIS page every freaking day just because I want to see the latest up to date. It's like I'm reading the like memorandums or whatever it may be or like press releases about whatever the cheeto has said today and it's just like it's frustrating but these are things that we got to do because immigration policy is literally changing every single day and we got to be up to date and you know sometimes it can be like hard for folks because i get it you know you don't want to keep reading bad news all the time but when it comes to something like this you know for me personally it affects like my mom and like other family members so i want to be kept up to date you know like i want to know as much as i can to like tell them like hey there's this possible solution this in this way you know we should look into that or whatever it may be you know like it's just about keeping yourself informed but at the same time keeping that healthy distance so you're not becoming overwhelmed are you are you good sam yeah i'm good i feel like we we said what we had to say hopefully folks know a bit more about tps form their opinions on it as well and hopefully they're able to you know maybe get some exposure and look into things more so yes yeah Here's my little bendición, como siempre. Um, yeah. So remember that y'all are all incredibly unique and wonderful beings. So um, if you are able to understand the words that are coming out of my mouth right now, that's a blessing. If you're able to form any thoughts around what I'm saying right now, that's a blessing too. If you're able to articulate those thoughts into words, that's another blessing. And I feel all too often we overlook these small blessings, whether it's breathing or blinking or thinking or talking. And we should, you know, be able to actively be present and not take those things for granted because those are the ways we communicate with people around us. So if you're able to do all of those, then that's great. And I'm really happy that you're able to do that, connect with people around you. And I want to encourage you all to, you know, be present, think of those blessings, share those blessings with the people around you, and just keep being incredible people in any way you can be. So thank you all for tuning in. Yes, thank you, Sam, for being super cute. Uh, (laughs) I feel like after, like, episode six, people are going to be like, you say the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) You do, though. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Nah. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know. I, I'm not cute like that, so I'm just gonna say bye. So goodbye. <laughs> tune in, tune in next just... week when we talk about eating ass. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> tune in next week when Sandra finishes her curry that she's been eating all episode. Ooh, yo, curry sounds hella bomb. I'm gonna stop recording right now. Okay, well, okay, I'm gonna stop recording now. Bye. <laughs>